Brother Randy Sutherland. <laughs> well, since I'm on that note, I love John Morgan. Amen. Bob said you love yourself. Ephesians chapter number five, talking about your wife and all that. But uh, anyhow, uh, I got a joke I need to tell. I got to get this off of me. Y'all careful. You care if I tell a quick, brief joke? Just now, it is a Calvinistic joke. It ain't for everybody. Mark chapter number two. you get it? It ain't for everybody, all right? Amen. <laughs> Sometimes I have to remind myself to do what I'm fixing to do because I, I try to get just get focused on the message and, and carry the burden. But I wrote myself a note. Don't forget to thank God for the Concord Baptist Church. Y'all have supported our ministry for well over 20 years, and I appreciate that. You've been a financial blessing to the camp meeting, to my family. And you've not only just been a financial blessing, I consider this church, Paul said, uh, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. I feel like me personally, this is one of the spiritual blessings that God has given me, friends and family and the family of God along the way. And I just want to say thank you all for being a precious, precious blessing to me and my family. And uh, all you precious, precious ladies that cooked all that good food. Hallelujah. I can shout over the food till Jesus comes. Amen. That's the only reason I went to church tonight. I got born again because they was cooking. <laughs> but something got a hold of me. Amen. So thank you. Everybody, let's stand. Don't go to sleep. Wake up. Slap yourself. Can we practice what Brother Sammy Allen taught us for years? Everybody raise your right hand. Amen. Now smack yourself and wake up, all right? <laughs> Woo! Can I get an amen? I feel all right. Amen. But uh, it's a blessing to be here. You tell your lost friends and loved ones, come on out to the meeting. And uh, Brother Ricky will be here Tuesday night. The real preacher will be in. Maybe God will just let me break the ice for him. He can come on in. Mark chapter number two, verse one, when you find your place, say amen. amen. Bible said again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. I wish he could say that about everywhere we go, don't you? Amen. And the Bible said straightway, there were, uh, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them, no. Not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed whereon the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, Father, as we bind you wonderful presence. Lord, I count it a great honor, great, 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 great honor to be able to talk to you. Lord, I count it even great honor to be able to talk to you and you talk back to me. Thank you, Lord, for every time you ever heard us pray, every time you ever blessed us, breathed on us, anointed us. Thank you for this church. Now, Father, I pray every born-again believer in the building, God, you'd fill us with the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, help none of us to listen to the devil at anything he's got to say. 
Lord, I pray for every lost sinner in the building. God, you'd save them by your grace. Unify your church. Help us, Lord, to leave here with a greater burden than we've ever had before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm interested in these four men that got a burden for one man. Burden for a man that couldn't do nothing for himself. Really, that's the way we ought to look at sinners. They can't do nothing for themselves. I look at the, the radical faith that these men had. These men were bound and determined to get this one man into the presence of God. They couldn't heal him. They couldn't save him. And they knew it. But they knew a man who could. They knew where there was power at. They had heard of a miracle-working Son of God. And by faith, they have taken this man on his bed, carried him to the roof, ripped it open. Now, they've let him down in the presence of God. And by the way, that's the only time that we're supposed to let a sinner down is when we let him down in the presence of God. These men were bound and determined no obstacles was going to get in their way. And I just simply want to preach on this simple thought tonight. We ain't giving up till you get in. We have got to have somebody get such a heart for people that can't help themselves. You're going to say, I'm not giving up till you get in. Now, we can't force people to get saved. We can't force them to get revived. We can't force them to get right with God. But we can go to God on our knees in prayer and say, God, I'm not giving up till this one gets in. And as a church, we ought to have the mentality and the attitude that we're not giving up till they get in. We got little children on the pews today that have never been saved. Mama, don't give up till they get in. Daddy, hey man, you got that prodigal out in the world. Don't give up till they come walking in those back doors and they get right with God. We got too many people that are giving up on God and giving up on the problems and the problems have gotten bigger than God is. But neighbor, don't forget, God's always been and always will be a whole lot bigger than any problem we'll ever have. Like the song said tonight, he's able to solve. These men didn't let no obstacles. They didn't let a roof get in their way. They didn't let a crowd get in their way. The Bible said because of the press, they couldn't get in the way. There was a group of people that were in the way of this man getting to God. But they said, that ain't no problem. We'll get him in some way, fashion, shape, or form. And we're not giving up until you get in. And they let the crowd, boy, this crowd was full of Pharisees. This crowd was full of uh, needy people. This crowd was full of scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites and gossipers. And uh, recently, I was talking to a young teenage uh, person here a while back, and, and they were struggling with something. And I said, what are you struggling with? And they said, well, our church, we got several hypocrites in our church. And uh, I stopped that person. I said, well, you may have to go to church with the hypocrites. But that don't mean you gotta go to hell with them. 
Amen. Don't you let a bunch of hypocrites and a bunch of Pharisees and these religious deadheads that don't know God that keep you from getting in the presence of God. Don't you let the gossipers and the stumbling blocks that keep you from getting where God's at. Just go get in and take somebody with you. I have been reminded years ago, God put it on my heart with my children. I was well aware, and I'm more aware of it now than I was then, that I, I can't save them. I, I could have forced a false profession out of all three of them when they was three years old, but I didn't want them dying without God and going to hell and their blood being on my hands. And anyways, I don't believe in the easy prayerism anyhow. It still takes the power of God for sinners to be saved. And I could have, but I did figure one thing out, that I could do something to get them into the presence of God. We could have family devotion and pray God would show up. We could keep them in church services and in camp meetings where God would show up and get them into the presence of Jesus and Nazarene. And by the way, beloved, as his parents, it's our responsibility to make sure our kids are in where God's at. We need God. So that's what they have done. They have carried this man to the presence of God. There are three things by way of introduction then I'll bring you the message on where not we ain't given up to you get in. First of all, amen, these four men were unified together. The Bible said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? The Bible said, behold how pleasant and good it is that the brethren dwell together in unity. Amen, these men were unified. They were unified in the fact they knew this fellow had to get out of where God was at. And I'm gonna tell you something right now, that disunity in the church house it grieves the Holy Ghost. It quenches the Spirit of God. And it keeps God from working. We've got to be unified. I've been praying hard these days about unity. And the Lord spoke to me, Brother Sullivan, about unity. We'll never have real true unity till the disunity has been exposed. Hey, Amen. You can sweep your hard feelings up under the rug. You can sweep the grudge and the bitterness up under the rug all you want to. But you ain't going to hide it from God. You may hide it from your wife or hide it from your husband or hide it from your pastor. But the bitterness is still there. And it's got to get flushed out by the power of God. And we've got to be unified. No unity, no power. These men were unified. These men had an understanding that he couldn't get there on his own. That the only thing that was going to help him was Jesus and his presence and his touch. They had an understanding. We've got to understand the scriptures. We've understand God's ways. I know his ways are higher than our ways and his, his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It did not bother me that you had them sing that song four or five times in a row tonight. I, I don't always know what's going on, but I knew the man of God was being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And God just wasn't helping him. He was helping somebody else. And you gotta understand, amen, that you follow the leadership of the Holy Ghost understand the word of God and when God's working even when you don't know what he's doing you've got to understand that God knows best every time all the time these men had unity they had an understanding 
an understanding of how weak and sick this man was, an understanding of eternity without Christ, an understanding that hell is still on fire, an understanding that we've got to have it that Jesus died for the lost. And sinner friend, you not only need to have an understanding of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, and not only do you need an understanding that you're going to go to hell without God, but you need to understand that your sins nailed into the cross and your sin has offended God and your sin is going to have to be paid for and Christ died for it on the cross and if you don't repent and believe the gospel you'll pay for your sins forever in a place called hell there's got to be an understanding tonight but then not only was there unity and understanding well there was an unction power to get him there power to deliver. Brother, I'm telling you, we need power in our churches. We need power in the preaching. We need powerhouse preaching, powerhouse praying. Oh, that God would grant this church to be a powerhouse, a filled with the power of God. And these men had enough power, amen, unified together to lift this sick man up on the roof and rip the roof off. Amen, there was an auction for the glory of God. We, Got to happen. It ain't I, I shout and I scream and I sweat and I spit while I'm preaching, but that ain't where the power of God's at. The power of God's in his presence. The power of God will be found on your knees somewhere. We could talk about, hey man, I thought this afternoon, the first time I ever met our dear late great brother Sammy Allen. I met him in May of 1996 at the Anchor Baptist Church. Dr. Wendell Runyon was honoring him and Brother Stennett Blue with an honorary doctor from the Bible College. And I met two of the best friends God ever gave me that night. And I heard Brother Blue preach, it was wonderful. I heard Dr. Allen preach and I said, oh my, that's what I want right there. I want all he had God dripping off of him. As back, he, he had all his mind, had his memory. He was in part of his prime of his life, had the anointing of God, had the power of God, had the all of God. He had the fragrance of the sweet rose of Sharon dripping off of him. And as he preached, the presence of God flooded that place and there was auction and power. That neighbor, somebody is gonna have to get along with God and pay the price and get God on you and spend time alone with God Amen or not? They had power to deliver. We ain't giving up till you get in. Number one, you're going to have to break up everything between you and the presence of God. They couldn't get in because of the crowd. The Bible said they uncovered the roof where it was when they had broken it up. They just didn't move it, Brother Randy. They just didn't bend it. They just didn't push it to the side. And the Bible said they broke it up. Now, as far as I could tell, amen, in a practical application, there's nothing wrong with the roof. Amen, I like roofs. I like the one at my house. Thank God for the roof I had over my head last night, the one I got over my head today. Amen, it don't matter. If the roof's between you and God, get up there and rip a roof off the house, all right? Amen, somebody say amen right there. Neighbor, I'm telling you right now, everything is between up you and all it just don't need to be moved. It needs to be broken up and it needs to be taken away. 
We ain't giving up to you again anyway. If you've got that kind of burden, you're going to have to break some things up in your life. Oh, the application will be, amen. The application, we could put it like this. What kind of sins between you and God? Do you have pride? Do you have bitterness? Do you have envy? Do you have jealousy? Do you have malice? I could preach on all the separational sins tonight. I don't feel led of God to do so. Maybe before I leave, God will allow me to do that, even if I did. Whatever sin it is, <laughs> sneaking around listening to music you ain't supposed to, fornicating, you don't think nobody knows about, got uh, liquor put out or drugs put out, or got some kind of sin in your life, <laughs> sin in your marriage, sin with your money, sin in your mind, sin with your mouth, sinning in your heart. Hey, whatever sin it might be, neighbor, break it up. And Back God to wash it away with his blood. You gotta break it up, but then then I thought about strongholds that would creep in amongst us. Strongholds in the family, strongholds in the church, they gotta be broke up, they gotta be torn down. There's one thing about this roof that I did think about this afternoon. It was a man-made roof. It just didn't appear out of anywhere. A man had to put his fleshly hands on it. So by way of application, anything amen, that flesh has put in your life, anything, I see that's why David couldn't wear Saul's armor because Saul, a picture of the flesh, put that armor on David and it wasn't the Holy Ghost. And so therefore David said, you know what? I'm not gonna let the flesh armor me. I'm not taking the flesh sword to the battle. I'm not taking the flesh's shield to the battle. Absolutely not. And he got up and he, and he did what he'd been raised to do, to be a shepherd. And as a shepherd boy, he went out there and he got victory. One step between them and God. Of them and victory, it got gone. Strongholds of the flesh, strongholds of money, on and on we could go. It's got to be broken up. But I would say today that probably one of the biggest strongholds in our churches today is a lack of prayer. Have you prayed today? Have you went to the secret place today and said, God, I got a burden on me. Oh, Lord, I don't need your help. I'm gonna need you to touch me. I'm gonna need you to relieve me. I've got things in my life. Oh, Lord, just like that man that had a withered hand, he can literally look at God and say, Lord, I need a hand here. And you know what God did? God gave him a hand. And there are times in our life when we gotta go to God and say, God, I need help. I need a hand here today. Need a hand with this crazy microphone. Say amen right there. Let me give you a hand. Thank you for the hand, dear neighbor. Somebody take a picture while we pause just for a moment to fix the intercom system. Okay. Amen. God, I need a hand. <laughs> oh, Lord, yeah, I do need a hand for my foolishness. But anyway, a lack of prayer. Have you prayed today? Have you called on God today? I used to make statements like this. Well, I believe the full-time preacher ought to spend two hours a day in prayer. Well, I really do. A man ought to spend time in prayer every day. But I've come to this conclusion. Don't put a time limit on it. Because <laughs> if it really gets good, two hours will be like two minutes. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. And just pray to you get in the presence of God. Is it a lack of Bible reading? A lack of faith? Whatever. We've got to break it up and get rid of it. But number two tonight, after you break something, amen, break it up and quit. I mean, just get rid of it every once in a while. Hey, man, you just got to stand back and say, Lord, everything that's in between me and you, I need you to show me what it is. 
Oh, and another thing about unity, the reason why people can't walk in unity with people in the church is because you ain't walking in unity with God. And until you learn to walk hand in hand with God, you ain't gonna unify with a man of God. You ain't gonna unify with a church. You're gonna be disunified. You're gonna be a sore spot in the body of Christ. We've gotta learn to say, Lord, you said, how could two walk together except to be agreed? Now, Lord, me and you need to be in agreement. Now, I know you ain't wrong. I know you ain't never messed up. I know you ain't never sinned. You ain't never done anything to me that wasn't right. So, God, it's gotta be me. See, the psalmist said, thou hast searched me and known me. Psalms 139, I believe it is. First, first, thou searched me and know me. The psalmist liked it so good. In the latter part of that chapter, he said, Lord, search me. Try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Know my heart, know my thoughts. Lead me in the way everlasting. See if there be any wicked way in me. He liked it so good the first time God done that to him. He asked him to do it again. <laughs> oh, Lord. What in the world so good about going to God and saying, Lord, would you turn your searchlight on in my heart and show me everything? Lord, well... You said, see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, you ain't gonna have to look too far. It's there. I'm gonna go ahead and confess it. It's there. I'm wrong. You're right. Oh, Lord, forgive me for the pride. Lord, I, uh, people don't really think this, but I got some bitterness in my heart, Lord. I'm not confessing. I'm just preaching, all right? I, you think I confess my sins to a Baptist congregation? It'd be on Facebook before midnight. Say amen, right, child? Hey, God, I tell you, my, my prayer life's kind of like my old coon dog, amen. Had a coon dog one time, brother, was hunting, and buddy, all of a sudden, he got quiet. I mean, he struck, and he got quiet, and old buddy said, your dog's an idiot. He, he don't know what he's doing. I said, you just leave him alone. He'll, he'll be barking again here in about 30 seconds. Sure enough, after about 30 seconds, my old dog got to barking. And he said, why'd he go silent? I said, boys, he can read a posted sign from a mile off. He knowed he was on a private property and he didn't need to be barking. Amen. <laughs> well, some of y'all believe in that, ain't you? <laughs> Amen. So when you hear me praying and I get real quiet, I'm either praying God will do something for you or I'm praying about something in your life that I don't want you to hear me say to God or most of the time I'm telling the Lord everything that I know that I'm guilty of. Can I get a witness? Y'all gonna have to wake up or I'm gonna preach to midnight. I'm telling you, you've got to get with God and break it up and get rid of it. Well, I've been with God a long time, don't matter. You can get sideways. I thought about it during the service tonight. Somebody's been walking with God for years, make one bad decision, give in to one temptation, and trash a really good testimony. Throw it away. Break it up. Break it up! Break it up, everything between you and God. But then number two tonight, do not lay your burden down till you lay it at the feet of Jesus. We ain't giving up till you get in. Well, what am I gonna do? Well, I'm gonna carry the burden all the way to the presence of God. 
I mean, look, I don't get ahead of myself. You got to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Oh, my, one of my favorite things. In my heart and in my imagination. I don't know if you do this, but in my mind's eye, sometimes I like to go to the throne in my, in my heart and bow before the feet of Christ. Sometimes I like to go uh, uh, bow before him in my heart and my mind when he's uh, maybe up there on the, preaching the Sermon of the Mount, teaching his disciples. Uh, but my favorite one is to go to Calvary and bow at the nail-pierced feet of the Lamb of God and say, Lord, I'm Calvary myself at your feet, no matter where it's at, where I need you to be, he's always there. Whether his feet's walking on the waters of the storms of my life, whether it's at Calvary, whether it's on the throne of grace right now, oh, just like Ruth did days of old, and she bowed down and fell at the feet of Boaz, and brother, she found grace and help at a time of need. Brother, take your burden all the way to the feet of God. Don't quit, don't stop, take it all the way. What was this burden? This burden was the feebleness of someone else. This burden was a flesh problem of somebody else. Oh, that's rough, ain't it? Brother Randy, I don't know if you remember saying it, but years ago, you made a statement on this platform. You said, if anything goes against your flesh, it's got to be of God. Anything goes against your flesh, it's gotta be good for you. I didn't have to write that down. Because every time since that day you said that, anything that goes against my flesh, the Holy Ghost lets me hear old brother Randy Sutherland say, anything that goes against your flesh, brother John, gotta be good for you. Gotta be good for you got to be but the flesh is somebody else sitting back now this guy must have been a friend of these fellers because they picked him up they, there must have been some kind of a friendship but when you see your friend struggling in their flesh that's when it gets hard not only the flesh not only a friend but he was somebody's son he had a mama he had a daddy a family member. Well, that's the hardest one you're going to carry. I have given my children to God a thousand times. I have taken them to God. And here a couple of weeks ago, I was praying for them. And I, and I said, Lord, I don't want to pray for my children till I am in your presence. I want to make sure I mean, I prayed, and finally, when I knew that I was where God was at, all by myself, and I don't say this to brag, I'm just telling you what God did. I said, Lord, I give them all to you. They're yours. You said, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. I got in where God was at. I gave them to God, Brother Rains and Miss Rains. We dedicated them to God on the big family Bible at the altar on the communion table of the Pleasant View Baptist Church 18 and a half years ago, the twins, Elizabeth 20 years ago, gave them to God. And Brother Randy, I, I, I'm not bragging on this, but I, he really let me get an audience with him a couple weeks ago, praying about my family. And I gave my children to God. You wanna know what he did? You ain't gonna believe it. <laughs> he gave them right back to me. <laughs> he said I'll help you out any way you can they're your responsibility 
I'll deal with them. I'll convict them. I'll draw them. They repent. I'll save them. They want to get serious about getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. Anything outside of that, they're yours. <laughs> oh, don't that lay the burden on us real heavy. We've got responsibilities with our children. God's blessed me with a good run with my family. A good run. I got good children, decent children. They need a touch from God. They need to cross the river. I don't say that to be critical. I'm careful how I talk about them, public or private. They, 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 for all our children, there are room for improvement, isn't there? Absolutely. But I promise you, the heaviest burden you will ever carry, if you're real and you love God, it'll be for your children. I've experienced trouble in the church. I've experienced trouble financially. I've experienced trouble in the ministry. I've had them break fellowship with me at the drop of a hat over hearsay and false accusations. I've lost financial support. I've lost revival meetings over foolishness. Men that I preached for for 20 plus years dropping me. And I'm not saying that to make you feel sorry for me. It hurt. It really hurt. But I'm telling the greatest burden that I've ever borne in my life is not being accepted by the brethren, not having places to preach, not having money in my bank account, but that burden that will not go away for your children. And I made my mind up as I prayed for my own children two weeks ago. God gave me this thought. And I didn't get the body of the message till this afternoon, but God gave me this thought. I ain't giving up till you get in. I'm not going to quit praying until you get in. I'm not throwing nothing away till you get in. You got that little boy sitting on the end of that pew, Brother Dakota. Don't give up, buddy, until it gets all the way in. We get them to God and they get saved. That's great, but they, they need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Take them all the way. And these boys just didn't go to that roof, break up that uh, uh, tiling and all that and just drop him. They gently let him down in the presence of God. Don't lay a burden down to you. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Verse five, the Bible said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Don't quit believing. When Jesus saw their faith, not his faith, but their faith. When he saw the faith of the four, what kind of faith did these men have? It was a strong faith. Strong enough to get this guy in the presence of God. That's the kind of faith we need to have. We need to have the kind of faith every time we come to church, God's gonna show up. Every time we have family devotions, God's gonna show up. Every time, sir, and it ought to be every day. And if we're not praying with our families every day, shame on us. If you don't get your family every day before you go to bed, certainly, you don't have to read them a commentary. You don't have to have a title and, a, and just read them one verse. Flip your Bible open sometimes. Read the first thing that comes to your eyes. As long as it's from the Word of God, if God impresses you to read a certain verse, read that one. Kneel down with your family. Have prayer with them. And have faith 
strength enough that God's going to allow you to bring your children before his presence. Strong faith to get him where he needed to be. It was a scriptural faith. They had heard about Jesus, obviously. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They were just acting on what they heard. Ain't that what we're doing? We're acting on what we've heard. We're acting on what we've read from the pages of the word of God. It was a scriptural faith. Then, I don't know how to put this next one. You can help me. I thought about putting it, it was an unspoken faith. Or we could call it a spoken faith. You pick whichever one you want to use. However it fits you. Far as I can tell, and I'll use the word unspoken, as far as I can tell, these guys are not recorded of saying anything in our text. If you don't get nothing else I say tonight, get this, it was a faith where the actions were a whole lot louder than any words they could have said. You know, they wasn't standing out there getting everybody's attention. All right, y'all, whatever we got to do, we're going to get this fella up in there. Jesus is going to heal him. Oh, everybody get out of the way. Hey, here we come. We're the super spiritual. Hey, man, soul winners. Here we are. We specialize in waiting on the angel to show up at the, at, at the pool and we dip them and we duck them. Yeah, man, we're good. And boy, I can spot somebody with a palsy a mile off. I've seen that sinner coming in the back door. I knew she is lost. How many times have I missed that one? Given the invitation, some lady on the back row, I've done this one time, don't y'all tell nobody and don't you laugh at me for me being honest. I just knew, Brother Mike, she is lost and under conviction. Back there on the back row, red face, boy, red face, tears running up. Come on down, finally, finally got her. It's been years and years and years and years ago, years ago, before I got married years ago. Finally got her down to the altar. That's right, that's right. I knew you was lost the minute I met you, ma'am. Oh, and then they just look at you like you're an idiot. Preacher, I got saved years ago. My mama died this week, and I'm kind of burdened and broken. That was a good place for a phone to go off right there, amen. Thank you, whoever that was. I wouldn't. I don't know who it was. I, but took the limelight, took the shine off me there. And you're sitting there, this dirt, dirt. You're lost. Now that wasn't what them guys was doing. They seen a need. They picked it up, and in unity, they carried it to Jesus. How many times have we tried to show off with our faith? Oh, I believe God. God told me this and God told me that and God ain't said a word. He'll let you fall on your faith. It, it, was, it, was, it was a faith that their actions was louder than the words. It was a, it, it was a sincere faith. Now the reason I know it was sincere is because I want somebody in this building to tell me what their names were. Can you tell me what any of the four men? No, they didn't have to have their name in the limelight. They didn't walk out of this. Now, Jesus may have just healed that guy. Oh, but we, we're the ones that brought him to him. Look at us now. Their faith was sincere in that they gave glory to God. And brother, I'm telling you, that ought to be our heart's desire. It's to give God glory for everything that he ever does. Glory to God. Hallelujah! What God? 
work's done. Yes, he uses man to get his work done. Hell used man to get his work done, to bring glory to himself. I feel like preaching a little bit right here. We need people that's got sincere, earnest faith. Then it was a seen faith. It didn't go unnoticed. Most importantly, it was seen by Jesus. And when he saw, when Jesus saw their faith, don't quit believing. We ain't giving up till you get in. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, and please don't pat me on the back. But Brother Randy, you've prayed for my children. Your wife's prayed for my children. I've prayed for your children. Others in the building. I love when I come back around Concord and hearing about one of them getting saved or I get a phone call in, in, the, in the night. And I know, well, that guy's calling me and he don't normally call this late, so it's either good or bad. Let's hope it's good. And, and a little quivering voice on the other end of the line. I got one of those last week. Little old seven, eight-year-old boy called me up, old Lucas. I can't pronounce his last name right. Shoemaker, I think it is. His daddy pastors a good Baptist church over in Hoopers Creek, North Carolina. I preached up there two or three weeks ago on a Sunday morning. Old Lucas, boy, he's, he, he's just sincere, but he's just one of them boys you can't help but love him. And I mean, he's going to grab a hold of anybody that loves God. He's going to grab their coattail and follow them around everywhere. He's just one of them kind. And his daddy, Brother Mark, called me up the other day and I had, uh, I had, uh, I answered the phone and little Lucas was on the phone. We've been praying for him. <laughs> he said, hello, brother John. I said, how you doing, boy? I said, well, I hope you got some good news to tell me. He said, I sure do. I said, the, he said, the Lord saved me the other night, brother John. I said, glory to God. I said, tell me all about it, son. He said, well, brother, he's one of them. He's going to tell you all about it. He said, well, Brother John, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and we was out eating, and uh, we got done eating, and we was going home, and it's just me and the Lord in the back seat. He said, I called on God and asked God to save me, and God got it. He said, now, Brother John, I raised up, and I asked my mom and daddy, do you want to hear some good news up in the front seat? They said, yeah. They said, the Lord had done come back here and saved me, Mom and daddy. Brother, I'm telling you, hey, man, you can watch. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Oh, but God sees it. Now, let me, I'm gonna be back right there because I gotta get you up to date where I'm at. Now, preach on all this, ain't giving up, but there's the blessing of we ain't quitting till you get in. The blessing of it. And the blessing is seeing God answer your prayers. The blessing of it is he getting those phone calls like that. The blessing of it is to be able to see this guy. Now, now, now watch this. When they let this man down in the presence of Jesus, Brother Randy, it didn't go like they thought it was going to. They've let him down there to get healed. And when Jesus doesn't heal him, but says, oh, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, well, oh. this didn't go quite like we thought it would. <laughs> I mean, we was hoping he'd walk out of here. And all he's got so far is his sins forgiven. Duh. What's better, getting healed or getting saved? Come on now. 
Give up in here. What I'm simply trying to tell you is you go lay them burdens down at the feet of God. It might not come all out at the time like you thought it ought to, but if God, but if God, but if God says thy sins be forgiven and God gets in that thing and somebody gets saved, oh, that's a blessing. Now, on another just little application, have you ever laid your burdens down to God and God did a work and God didn't do it quite like you had told him to? <laughs> How many times have we went to God and told him all about our problems and then told him how to fix them? <laughs> oh, I get about halfway through it telling God how to do something and I feel like a fool. Well, Lord, I've told you what the problem is. I've told you how to do it. <laughs> it's just me again, your son, John. I'm sorry, Lord, would you fix it however you want to? But at first glance, it didn't look like they got what they came for. But wait a minute, wait a minute. In God's timing, in God's timing, God gave forgiveness, heaven bound with a hammer down. In God's timing, as a rebuke, see those religious Pharisees and the scribes, they got to murmuring and complaining in their hearts. Jesus knew the thoughts of their hearts. You know what Jesus did? You telling me I can't forgive somebody their sins? Watch this, walk. <laughs> I'll prove to you I'm God. I'll prove to you I've got power. Brother, here it is, here it is. That burden that they carried, you know what it did? It got up and walked off. He not only gave him power to get in, but he gave him power to get out, to get away from them religious deadheads and them scribes and them Pharisees. Brother, I mean, you sit back, all right. We've carried this burden to God and God's work, but he didn't do everything we thought he should have. But now, as a rebuke to an unbelieving world and unbelieving religious folk, he said, get out and walk and take your bed now. Your burden has turned into a blessing. Ain't that something else? May I illustrate it like this. He's carrying himself now. He is walking on for Jesus now. He's walking in truth, walking with triumph, walking with a testimony. He's walking, carrying that bed, not ashamed of what God just did for him, not ashamed to tell somebody, I know a man who can. I know where there's help. I know where there's hope. I know where there's grace. I know where there's forgiveness. Well, here it is, and I'm done. Oh, I almost said Adrian, Sister Hannah. Is that who you want to play to pee? Do you want to do anything like that? I don't Hannah, would you come right on ahead? I close, I illustrate it with this. To the four. Was everything y'all just experienced worth it? Yes. Okay. Now here's how I illustrate it. Just illustrate it like this. Y'all with me? My brother got saved about three months after I did. And I had never read Romans chapter number nine at all. But I asked God to take mine away from me and give it to him. And I didn't know anything. That's the burden I had for my brother. I'm telling you, I carried a heavy burden for him. Day and night, fasting and praying. 
begging God to save him. My son got saved about 10 years ago. Heavy burden, buddy. God saved JP. Elizabeth got saved a few years ago. Heavy burden. We got burdens for others. Heavy, heavy. Praying and fasting. God done it. Sister Hannah, you can begin playing softly whenever you're ready. God done it. So my burden turned into a blessing. So you know what I've done since my son's got saved? There's been a few times. I went to India one time and him and his cousin, Stacy, told me him and his cousin Dalton was down there at the rock pile praying for me, praying for them other preachers that was with us, that God would fill us and let us see a lot of people get saved. See, my burden turned into a blessing. And when my burden turned into a blessing, that what used to be a burden to me that I was carrying around, now it's got power to carry me. <laughs> you know, I carried Matthew around, he got saved now. Now he's praying for me. He's carrying me. And your mom and your daddy praying for old brother Randy to get born again. Well, they carried that burden and carried that burden and carried that burden. Now the burden turned into a blessing and the burden's carrying them. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? It's worth it. Have I made enough sense tonight I can quit preaching or I need to explain it anymore? Our burdens one day, if you don't give up and you say, you know what, we ain't quitting until you get in and all the way in, you'll be able to take Brother Josh that, that burden and it'll be a blessing. And now that blessing, standing right there one day, get Holy Ghost born again, saved by the grace of God. Maybe one day God will let me tell him about the first time I met his daddy. <laughs> Didn't realize that old Turner's up there. We've been praying for him for a long time. And I walked in up there at the Bluestone Baptist Church and was up in the prophet's room, preacher's rooms one day. And Turner was up there. And I talked to him probably 10 minutes. Nobody introduced me. Old Brother Ryan looked at me and said, you know who that is, don't you? I said, no. He said, that's Turner. I said, what? Yeah. Uh, I said, also, I've been praying for you for a long time, buddy. Did you ever get saved? First time we met, he hugged me up real tight. and said, yeah, I sure did. Them, them burdens turned into blessings, and the blessings can carry you. Somebody in here tonight is carrying something heavy. We're standing all over the building. I'm going to have to make myself quit. There's liberty. That little boy, he won't be a burden. He'll be a blessing.